Hey folks, Sean Eagle here, up just for the guys, the podcast you're going to be listening to, a little bit of administrative stuff before the show begins. First off, the show is moving. Two True Freaks, the new website at twotruefreaks.com is up and running, and shows for just one of the guys are going to be moving there at the beginning of June. Right now I'm posting both at the Libsyn site and at twotruefreaks.com, so you can get the show either at the Two True Freaks website, through the Two True Freaks feed at Two True Freaks 2 on iTunes, or through the regular feed at Just One of the Guys on iTunes. However, starting in June, all shows, or all episodes of Just One of the Guys will be over at the Two True Freaks website. So, if you're subscribing, shouldn't be a problem. I'll redirect everything from the iTunes account, from the Libsyn site to Two True Freaks, but if you're picking shows up from the Just One of the Guys podcast site, you'll probably have to go and resubscribe at TutureFreaks.com. Secondly, I'd like to thank everybody in the podcasting community who's been so kind to send their well wishes and uh, concern to me about the recent tornado that happened here around Oklahoma City. To let you know, myself and my family and my house and everything are fine. We weren't affected by the storm, but I appreciate everyone's uh, words of sympathy and words of concern. It really means a lot to me. But on that note, if you'd like to make a charitable donation, the best way to help the people of Moore, Oklahoma, would be to either A, go to redcross.org and uh, give a charitable donation there, or if you'd actually like to get something out of it, Charlie Niemeyer is offering up some awesome Mark Wade run of Captain America comics. He's got them up on eBay, and if you make a bid on them and you win that bid, all the money from that uh, auction will be going to the Red Cross. So if you're wanting to get some comics out of it and make a little charitable donation to help the people of Moore, Oklahoma, definitely go check out Charlie's eBay bid. I'll have that in the show notes. So that does it for administrative before the show. And of course, now on with the show with Dave Walker and me. That's probably not even proper English. Hello? Hey, how's it going, Dave? Ah, not too bad. How's you? Not bad. How was the trip? How do you, uh, are you, uh, getting over the jet lag yet, or... Just about. Um, I seem to be all right at the minute. So, You're listening to Just One of the Guys, wearing following up a string of shows with a great guest host, with another string of shows with a great guest host. Welcome to another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Greenlander podcast. 
This is an internet radio show dedicated to bringing coverage of the Green Lantern comics from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004, with a special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Green. My favorite Green Lanterns like to run around with the guys in red. Well, at least one of them does. And maybe not run, fly, because he's a Green Lantern. That Green Lantern is Kyle Rayner, and today we're going to be covering Green Lantern 66, which is the first of a two-part series that uh, crosses over, well, doesn't really cross over, but has a guest spot from one fastest man alive, Mr. Wally West, better known as The Flash. Of course, we've also, we've also got a Guy Gardner book, but it's not a Bo Smith book. And, well, the art has been taking it down to me. But there's some Green Lanterns in there. Some that you thought might have been dead because Al went all crazy with them. But we'll get to that after we get to the Lantern issue, which, as I mentioned, starts the Flash. That means I'm going to be pulling someone in from one of the finest podcasts out there on the internet, Flash Legacies. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my deepest pleasure to have back on the show Mr. Dave Walker. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Hi, I'm here again. Yay. Hold your applause. Dave, it's been, it, uh, to be honest, Dave, you were like the first person to come guest on the show. I didn't mention it in the career shows because I didn't really think about it. But all this month of May, I basically had uh, guest hosts all on all the shows. So it's guest host the Palooza. Thanks for coming on Ooh. the show and talking about this, Dave. I really appreciate it. That's no problem. Well, uh, I might as well just go ahead and say we're going to do the typical thing of taking our little break after the uh, promos, taking a break and playing the promos, and after that we'll go ahead and get right running on into issue 66 of Greenland. See what there. Hello ladies, listen to your man, now listen to me, now listen to your man, now listen to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he stopped downloading lame-ass podcasts and switched to Two True Freaks, he could learn to sound like me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're on the Enterprise with the man your man could sound like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's a long box filled with comics that you love. Look again. The comics are now episodes. Anything is possible when your man listens to Two True Freaks and not lame-asses. I'm on a tauntaun. In a world where planets die. I have come to the conclusion Krypton is doomed. Did I hear him right? Where good and evil fight a never ending battle. But millions of people will die. Millions. Once again, the press underestimates me. One man will become a hero. Every world needs its heroes, Clark. They inspire us to be better than we are. Protect us from the darkness that's just around the corner. One man will rise to the challenge. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! One man will wear spandex. Well, one thing's for sure, nobody's going to be looking at your face. Mom? Well, they don't call them tights for nothing. <laughs> Presenting the thrilling adventures of Superman. 
podcast looking at the Man of Steel's history via his earliest adventures in comics, radio, and film. Featuring reviews, commentary, creator spotlights, and more. Join the adventure at GreatCrypton.com. And we're back. So, I've got emails piling up, and I promise you guys that I'll get to them, but we've got the uh, co-host of Palooza this month, so I'm going to skip emails for now, and we're going to go ahead and head into Green Lantern number 66. Uh, 66 was cover dated on September 1995 with release date of July 18, 1995, a cover price of $1.75 US, $2.50 Canada, and a pound twenty-five in the UK. The title was Fast Friends, question mark, part one. The writer was Ron Mars. Penciler out this time out was Paul Pelletier. Anchor was Romeo Tangal. Colorist Robert Schwager. Letterer Albert Guzman. Assistant editor Eddie Braganza. And editor Kevin Dooley. Some days it doesn't pay to get out of bed. That's what Green Lantern Kyle Rayner is finding out as his benign trip to the library to find some research material for a job turns into a superpowered showdown with some idiot in a power suit. After helping up a disabled guy Kyle knocked over, Green Lantern turns the flamethrower back on his foe, melting him into his armor. Crisis in the loosest sense of the word averted, Kyle turns back to the man in the wheelchair. Hearing the man's story of the loss of his legs in a subway accident, Kyle uses the ring to give a bit of energy to the disabled man, allowing him to gain permanent ring construct legs. So long as he uses his willpower to think about them. Leaping from his chair, the man thanks Green Lantern, who heads off to turn water into wine and cause the blind to see in it. Oh, wait, no. I made that last part. Cut to Keystone City Hall, where the rejected basis for the band Enough's Enough screams that he finally wields the power as he uses sound waves to smash up the city. Fortunately, his rampage doesn't go unnoticed by Keystone's protector, The Flash. Lending punch after super speed punch, Wally tells the Spantex boarding sociopath to hit the road. But the Kip Winger wannabe says no dice, as he's sonar, bitch, and he doesn't take that kind of crap from anyone. Cue the McFightenstein as Flash and Sonar face off, with a maestro of sound eventually flying off to tackle bigger fish than Keystone City. Back in New York City, Kyle is dropping in on his landlord's coffee shop to grab his double espresso, frappuccino, whatever, when Radio introduces him to one of the building's other tenants, Allison. Being that she's a model in a mini dress with boobies and stuff, Kyle is dumbstruck until Radio shakes him out of his bout of wide-eyed staring by handing him his drink and mentioning that he brought a delivery up his to up to his apartment. Upon entering, Kyle is brought out of his impure thoughts but about a night of swapping fluids with his apartment mate by a bouquet of roses sent by his snuggle bunny, Donna Troy. Reveling in his own hotness, Kyle skips working on his paying job and heads to the roof to sketch the Manhattan sunset. His artwork is interrupted by a shockwave blast that knocks him off the roof, unfortunately. Turning to Green Lantern, Kyle heads towards where the shockwave came from, which leads him to the hair metal menace, Sonar, who is overturning cars, much to the chagrin of Midtown drivers. Kyle attempts to shackle Sonar, only to get a supersonic blast to the face. The two break into a little bit of the old fighting Feitenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, 2011, all rights to serve, until the throwdown is broken up by the arrival of the Scarlet Speedster himself, the Flash.
issue. You know, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, Paul Pelletier uh, is the guy who's doing the artist, or is the guy who's the artist for this, and I think this is some of his earlier stuff, and it's really, really good artwork. It uh, it works uh, well with the sort of art that uh, Romeo Tangal, or not that, uh, yeah, that Romeo Tangal was doing. No, Romeo Tangal is the inker. Who was that thinking of? Uh, who did? But, but the guy who was doing the art before this, it looks really good. It works well with the series, and I guess Pelletier is doing the uh, Aquaman book in the New Fifty Two. Um, I haven't been reading it. I think I've got I've got one issue. Sorry, that's kind of tied into Throne of Atlantis, but that's about it. I'm probably the only one, the only one who's not actually getting it at the minute. Yeah, uh, probably enough, should catch up with it. Oddly enough, uh, it was uh, I went to my LCS and got my uh, pull list, and I don't know why they put the Aquaman comic in there, and I just noticed that the artist was the same artist who was doing the Green Lantern here. So I'm really enjoying it. Uh, uh, his artwork here is uh, really nice. Um, just the other generic notes I had for this was uh, we get the sort of beginning of the the kind of uh, uneasy friendship between uh, Wally and Kyle. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of other podcasters have talked about it, that they don't understand why Wally was so harsh on Kyle, because essentially Wally got the same sort of uh, crap from the other heroes that, Oh, you're not the, you're not the flash. You know, how can we uh, look to you to be this kind of hero? And Wally's kind of given the same thing to Kyle here. So I thought that was kind of, that was kind of thing that they uh, started up in this book, but if you got Dave, uh, go ahead and head on with notes, and I'll uh, follow you along with it. Okay. Um, is there a reason for Sonar to be obscured on the cover, or is it just for dramatic effect? I think it might be, because this is the reintroduction of Sonar, and this is one of the things. Yeah. It's not really out and out said that this is a different Sonar from the one that uh, fought Green Lantern back, uh, I think it was, he first appeared in, like, the teens in the first uh, 1960s Green Lantern issue, but it's not the sonar that you remember who was in the sort of maestro uniform with the uh, uh, tuning fork gun, which was just kind of a goofy character. That explains all of the references because I I didn't want to Google him, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's it's which, prob- which sounds wrong. No, it's but. probably for the best because uh, in his. I say modern, but his modern for the time, sort of 80s rendition, he was always kind of seen as a sort of joke character, almost on the level of the Predator or the Shark in the uh, Green Lantern <laughs> Rogues the Green Lantern Rogues Gallery. So, yeah, the Green Lantern Rogues uh, really fall behind compared to like Batman or the Flash. So, but yeah, there there you go. That code is very strange, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't get why he's wearing a, a lab coat with like cut off sleeves. That's bizarre, and it, and it looks like you know he just uh, it's been eaten up by mods as well. So I don't get that, but it's very nineties. Yep, definitely is. Um, he's got the long hair and everything to prove it. Yeah, that's going to come a running theme. Uh, the whole uh, sort of metal band, hair glam band type look. Yeah, that's. That's going to become a theme probably in the next episode. Well, Superman started it. That's true. Uh, yeah, and uh, if you want to follow in the uh, lines of greatness, there's no one better to follow in than Superman, except that hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you something? 
is it just me or does the flash look like he's been stuck on a little bit he, he doesn't quite look like he's part of the picture to me no i'm not sure if it, no. it, it does kind of look that he does look sort of color formed in uh especially because it doesn't look like because the way the way his foot is positioned it looks like it's on top of a uh, piece of rubble that might be flying through the air especially yeah. it looks like yeah because there's uh there's a gigantic car behind sonar and there was a rock on it and then on the cover you know there's wally on top of that rock so it yeah it does look kind of you know just sort of cut and pasted in there it's more like he's part of the actual um title you know and the flash you know like that whole thing is like the title inclusion and this is just the battle itself with green lantern and he's not actually there but it's mm, it's very strange yeah it just didn't look quite right yeah it it does look a little off it does look sort of like i said pasted in so yeah well maybe it was maybe they were taking inspiration from that superman comic oh where they had superman or yeah and lobo Oh yeah, and you could put your, you could make your own cover by sticking on the different bits. Oh, that one, the the yeah. worms one. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure I have that just because of that fact. <laughs> um, I think I saw it in like a comic bin somewhere and just went. It looks like it's all there, and I don't have this. Ah, why not? <laughs> I didn't do anything with it. I figured that would kind of ruin it and make it kind of terrible, <laughs> which might have been the point. I'll have to look at it again. Um, but anyway, um, other thing that's cool, I love the letter, the fact that they've signed it in the letter in the bottom corner there. Oh, yeah, that uh, that Pelletier. See, this is nice. I've seen this in artwork uh, recently, and I I think uh, Thomas DJ and Michael Bailey and I ranted about this in the uh, Green Lantern number 50 issue where they did the pinup poster of Hal Jordan as Parallax, and down at the bottom, they signed it, essentially sort of invalidating the page by making it just a pinup poster. Here uh-huh. they've uh, signed it, but they put it you know, within the artwork, and putting on the uh, letter gives it sort of uh, – it gives it allows them to sign the, the artwork, but actually make it a piece uh, or a part of the art rather than just making it a signature laying on top of the art. So that's very clever on there on their parts yeah i i love the way uh, stuff like that is just worked in um I've, I've seen it a couple of times on uh, newspapers and various bits of paper floating through the air and whatnot it's just i i, I like that kind of thing they had it's that recently cool. in, a, in a green lantern issue where um oh i can't remember someone broke into cal's apartment and smashed him around and the uh the names were on or the names for this big splash page were on books of uh that was thrown around Kyle's room. So yeah, it, it's clever when they do stuff like this rather than just sign, sign at the bottom and there's a big, you know, block of letters or this big signature down at the bottom of the artwork it takes you out of the, takes you out of the comic. That's me for the cover anyway. Okay. You got anything else? No, nope. the cover. Oh. Uh, I really like the cover. It's really dynamic and uh, yeah, they hide the villain here, which I think it's probably a good thing because if people <laughs> knew that it was sonar, I think this probably wouldn't have sold quite as well as it did. <laughs> Just my thought. First page, I like the speed lines on the fast. I know it's kind of obvious, but it's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Just is. Well, and I like I, that. I like that they also that it's not fast friends period or just fast friends. It's fast yeah. friends question mark because you're getting the idea that. Uh, 
Wally and Kyle may not get along in the DC universe. So mm-hmm. I like that as well, the, the title that way. Uh, and knocking over uh, a guy in a wheelchair is not a very heroic way to start the issue. <laughs> no, uh, well, unfortunately, uh, Kyle does redeem himself later in the book. So, yeah, uh, he happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Although, maybe he's technically saving the guy because the blast looks like might have been where the guy just previously was. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but not you, a very good way of doing it. You've also got to wonder why is a guy holding a library hostage. I mean, does he really think that he's going to get millions of dollars in ransom for, you know, the, the latest John Grisham novel that's been released? No, I was going to say I mean, like 50 shades of gray, but that wouldn't have been out at this time. And that would have been horrible as well. Mm. Well, maybe someone just really liked Stephen King and said they had to pay him for it. Uh, you know. Could be instead of just, going and getting their own copy that they could read themselves <laughs> but yeah um oh how can we tell this is a 90s thing that oh battle armor oh look <laughs> yeah that's pretty pretty ridiculous but i mean and his right hand is just a giant uh, series of cannons or whatever i mean yeah it's pretty ridiculous and but <laughs> everyone has battle armor even guy gardner had battle armor in the 90s so yeah again superman started it he walked around in the battle suit that's true and then we we should blame him for everything (laughs) long hair battle suits um did he have pockets at any point oh thank god i don't think he did so i know he had guns yes i don't know if the 90s had solidified the whole gun thing at that point he he (laughs) was using guns uh at the end of the uh, reign of the superman story so there you go. Yeah, big guns. He had those. Oh, dear. Um, um, on the plus side, at least Kyle gets the nurses to help up the wheelchair guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did notice that's another thing. Kyle likes doing his uh, his uh, very uh, naughty female <laughs> character constructs. Uh, he had one of those back in a uh, the issue where he and Donna Troy went to Mars for the picnic and he ringed up a, a naughty French maid. So yeah, naughty nurses isn't really uh, a stretch for Kyle to do either. I think you were saying before um, that guy used to do a lot of that and get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle, I guess gets a pass because, well, he's a young kid and he doesn't have the sort of, you know, jerk attitude that guy had. So uh, they'll let him slide. And if you're going to be helped up by anyone, Yes, you don't want to get helped up by Nurse Rat- Nurse Ratchet. You'd rather get helped up by a Hottie McCottenstein nurse. Pretty much. Um, oh, the shield thing. Is that meant to be a, from something? The I'm, lion head? I'm trying to think. Uh, I, you know, Because I know a lot of Kyle's uh, references are anime, I didn't know whether it might have been something uh, dealing with Voltron or the Voltron Force show so i don't know it might just be just a neat sort of shield that uh is a little different than you know just a regular simple round or uh sort of i know he did a superman sort of s shield uh an issue back so it it might just be might just be him being creative but it's a neat look Um, that's the thing with his constructs and I'm, I'm never too sure whether or not it's meant to be a reference to something or if it's just something that they've come up with that they think looks cool mm-hmm. i do like it it's very groily 
I think <laughs> is the best way. It is very growly, yes. I like on page three uh, the fact that the guy in the uh, in the battle armor tries to do the uh, line from that uh, Action Comics annual where uh, Alan Moore wrote the for the man who had everything. He tries to give the uh, Superman line of burn, and unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't work at all for this guy because well, Superman is cool, and this guy is so lame that I don't think you'll ever see him again. <laughs> Uh, I just like the fact that Kyle didn't actually give a crap about why he was there in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, he was there to do his work and he got interrupted. So he just went out to deal with it and dealt with it. Exactly. Simple. I, I'm, I'm not too sure about the um, the, the mask there. Uh, he uses to shut him up. Uh, well, he's probably going to take him in the back and uh, um, let's see. uh Bruce Willis is going to have to come in and stop him from, uh, well, doing nasty things to him. Oh, oh wait, that, that was the gift. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we've gone down. No. Um, <laughs> so because he's a fairly decent guy, Kyle goes to check on this guy. And then because he's really quite stupid, he shares his par with him. Uh, am I the only one who thinks this is a bad idea? No, I I had to say that as well. Uh, I thought this was a neat idea that Kyle could do this. And I think Kyle's actually trying to be really altruistic in doing this. But being the fact that Underworld Unleashed is coming up here in an issue or so, I think this oh, yeah. is really going to uh, kind of backfire on Kyle. I mean, it's a nice idea. And I think actually later on in, in the run... Kyle does something similar to uh, John Stewart because I think John Stewart, uh, John Stewart either breaks his spine or uh, breaks his legs or something and can't walk. And Kyle, I think something happens when he's a dark star. Yeah, I think that's what's going on. Uh, I think uh, Kyle gives some of his energy to him so that he can walk again. So this isn't. This is kind of the first time we see this, and I I have to agree with you. I don't think it is the best idea. I mean, really. I know I've read these before, um, but I can't remember what happens with this. Well, let's just say uh, with Underworld Unleashed coming up and people being seduced by uh, the power of Mephisto, uh, Neuron, uh, (laughs) this may come to uh, sort of bite Kyle in the ass. So, yeah, just a little foreshadowing. Uh, Something bad may happen with this person. Oh, dear. Well, and it doesn't help that he he really, uh, like on page five in that middle panel there, he really has that sort of uh, stereotypical Christ-like look, you know, and uh, that's why I mentioned the whole you know, turning water into wine and walking on water type thing, because, yeah, he does have, even though he's supposed to be just a sort of, like, a hippie, you know, Vietnam vet type 1960s stereotype, he does sort of also have that very uh, Christ-like look, so, yeah. Yeah, surprisingly, that was my thought on it as well. Didn't write it down because I figured it would come up somehow. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, you can't really avoid it. I mean, that that one panel, it's like, you know, it's essentially, you know, uh, it it looks like it'd be a a panel right out of like the Marvel version of the Bible. If if (laughs) that's so, yeah. It's not going to go well. (laughs) It's, it's, It's not. Yep. Um, next page, I like how they establish they've changed locations. Mm-hmm. Just simply, 
and the border has a very kind of flashy feel just around sonar oh yeah one it's also and and the fact that it's all in red it gives you the idea that uh, especially since they have that first panel up there that says it's keystone city and with the red border around there it gives you uh, the idea who's going to be making the appearance pretty quick (laughs) Uh, good pun pun intended yes the Krakum, as he appears, is fairly cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes to make an entrance. Um, the new belt, um, or at least newer belt than I've been looking at, um, it's it's very pointy in in a specific direction. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry, but that that's like a giant arrow pointing at his, you know. Um, j- yeah, that's... and and unfortunately, Pelletier, and I've noticed this in a couple of. Uh, a couple of his uh, artistic designs in this book and the next mm. really accentuates the, uh, the, the the crotular region of his uh, characters. They, uh, I, I was worried it, it was just me seeing no, it's not. That, that. That's okay. Um, yeah, what? I mean, it's just uh, it's it's not something I want to look at, but unfortunately, you know, with this big yellow sort of arrowhead pointing down towards his junk yeah you kind of have to look down there and go oh well i'm certain people don't want wally to be the fastest man alive in that aspect uh okay this every time might be faster (laughs) this is one of the things i wanted to ask you about this is the whole now i haven't seen this you know i guess my uh deal with the flash is a lot more with the berry stuff and watching uh him run i would see the speed lines and the various different poses of the flash within the speed lines now with the wally stuff is that lightning effect around him is that common has that been in most of the book i think that's a new thing um is it a post zero hour thing you think i think it might be actually um because it has it hasn't been happening yet it may it's after he kind of connects with the speed force properly, I think that's when it kind of starts. I'm not sure if this is the speed force speed force costume yet. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we've still got a little bit to go before that happens. Okay. Um, but I think he is more connected to the speed force now than he used to be. But I, th- I think this is a result of it. Um, I think this is after he's kind of regained the full speed he had because of the mental block that was going on at one point, uh, which I think, kind of got dealt with whenever the fake Barry came back. Um, that was issue 60-something, Yeah, think, wasn't it? Uh, it, was, it was some time back there, um, back when the Flash Museum got destroyed because I, th- I think you've covered it, so if anyone hasn't listened to it, it's Professor Zoom, Yeah, just so you know. It's, it's got to be about uh, a couple of years ago because that happened yeah. right before uh, – the reign of the Superman issue in Green Lantern. So, yeah. So yeah, it's about, it's about 20 some odd issues ago. So yeah, he's probably been connected more with the speed force from now. Yeah. I think we're in and around issue a hundred and something at this point. So well, we should be, if we're after zero R, I think that hit around issue 90 something. Mm-hmm. Tra- trying to keep track of things is hard, especially <laughs> Especially when you're trying to work out, okay, if I'm at this point and this comic's at this point, where's this one? But yeah, um, I wish I could remember where every single kind of costume change 
kind of happened, so I knew exactly which costume this is. But I, I'm pretty sure it's the shiny one, at least. Oh, we yeah. Can, we can see the shininess. <laughs> one of the things I also wanted to comment in the book is the, the coloring in the book, uh, especially on you know the Flash's costume and like Green Lantern's mask, the coloring has really taken an upturn. And I like I, I mentioned this last episode that I did, that I hadn't really noticed or hadn't really commented about the coloring, but in, in these books, it, it really looks good. The way the the colors blend into each other, and uh, it gives the it gives a really textured look to the characters, and it gives a more three dimensional feel. So, uh, mm-hmm. liking that. Yeah, got a lot more depth to it. Definitely. Uh, oh, one thing I'm liking with these issues at the minute. Um, I like the shadowing um, thing. I thought it was more of a Batman thing, and then I heard you talking about it with. J. David Weeder was it? Uh, I think it was in a Superman issue. Yeah, it, it was, I think you'd said it happened with Guy Gardner at one point, or possibly, or no, it was Kyle in a previous issue. Yeah, and during the uh, Capital Punishment storyline, they had a couple of pieces of artwork where it was just the silhouette of the characters of uh, Kyle Rayner and Guy Gardner, and on Kyle you saw him all in black except for the green of his mask and sort of the green of his. Uh, the green and white of his chest emblem and guy you saw him all in silhouette all in black but you saw the tattoos the red and the blue tattoos and it's a really dynamic look and on page eight this uh look of uh wally here with his sort of black costume with the uh, white accent of this chest symbol and the yellow of the lightning bolts around him uh, it's a nice it's a nice look yeah it's very cool as long as it's not overused it's mm-hmm. kind of cool oh yeah but uh yeah kind of thought it was more of a batman thing just because i can see that coming out of the darkness that would be kind of scary mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i think he probably gets more use out of it than most heroes you know, that's that's batman's mo so we'll give it to him let's see wally gets a little overconfident here and kind of gets crushed but we're getting the use of i, I don't think i've seen seen this much outside of his own title i not sure if it happens much, but of his vibrating through things, causing it to explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can't think of anywhere else I've seen it apart from in his own title and now here. But that may just be my lack of knowledge more than anything else. Well, one of the things that I liked that was kind of neat was him uh, doing the trailing things behind him that we see on page oh, yeah. 10, where he's uh, got everything sort of... Uh, He's got this debris in his speed wake, and he just stops really quick and allows all this stuff to smash into uh, whoever he's fighting. This, in this case, Sonar. So I thought that was a really kind of uh, that was a neat sort of speed trick that Wally could do. Yeah, I believe that's kind of new in around this time as well. It's um, it it again is not used much that I've seen outside of Flash, but I just love the fact he pulls a bus along behind him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just smashes right into him yeah uh very cool um sorry just looking at the pictures here it's easy to get distracted with this one um, no the artwork in here is really nice uh, uh, like i said i'm really impressed with pelletier and i think like i said this is some of his earliest stuff and the it's pretty impressive because um jh williams some of his earliest stuff was over in the Geyer gardner book and i guess right now he's doing the batgirl book or Batwoman book, oh. and his artwork has vastly improved from how it was in this. But the Pelletier stuff, he started out really well here. But yeah, uh, 
page 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of an episode of Lewis and Clark, The Wall of Sound. You ever seen it? No, I see uh, J. David Weeder is going to hate me because <laughs> I, I watched uh, Sequest DSB over uh, Lewis and Clark. You can hate me later. Michael Bailey's like an idiot. <laughs> I, I'm lucky uh, they showed Sequest in Saturday afternoons and we got uh, New Adventures of Superman Saturday nights. So, see, I, uh, no conflict. Uh, see, we had the that it was either one or the other and unfortunately i was like well it's got it's got ted Raimi and it's done by steven spielberg and oh and plus it it's had got michael ironside in the like the second uh-huh. and third season so and the person whose name i can't remember and really should um, roy scheider maybe yes thank you <laughs> yeah from jaws and pretty much every kid that dom DeLuise had oh yeah <laughs> And a talking dolphin and um, Brandon yeah. thingy. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Brandis. Yeah. Oh, Brandis, thank you. Yeah, the the kid who unfortunately, yeah. Well, we won't go into yeah. what he did, but yeah, he was great. I I enjoyed the stuff I saw him in. Mm-hmm. It's face head, but yeah, he, um, he, really off more, track. <laughs> he was a more enjoyable Wesley Crusher character. <laughs> Although Wesley Crusher, I think, is mostly writing. More than anything else. Oh, yeah, I'd give you that. Because Will Wheaton is kind of awesome. Oh, yeah. Because I've, I've seen him in other things and liked him a lot more. And when you realize that basically the kid is there to be the analog, the Robin, for want of a better term, you know, that's kind of how he's written. Oh, yeah. That's why he sticks around so long till he gets too old to be the kid character and they ship him off. Mm-hmm. Just bring him back every once in a while. Well, and that's that's fine. You know, it, the fact that he was this sort of super genius kind of MacGuffin uh, character to get the ship out of all these problems just kind of, I think, annoyed a lot of uh, Next Generation fans or a lot of Star Trek fans in general. But yeah, the character... Uh, the character and the person you can if you can divorce yourself from that the person is really a fun fun intelligent person the character well he's wesley (laughs) at least he does disappear after a while true it's it's good Uh, but yeah last bit of this section i guess um i really like the way the road's drawn just with all of the different cracks and crevices and various different bits of debris just as sonar is disappearing here mm-hmm. it's yeah it's a lot of detail for kind of it's it's not exactly a throwaway panel but it kind of is you know well yeah it's it's a bigger panel on the page but yeah they could have just they could have just done a close-up on uh, wally giving the line of uh, you know sonar huh and uh, they didn't have to show this kind of destruction that was left in his wake so yeah that's uh, that's a good use of uh the sort of background space to show what uh, show what happened during this whole battle between Wally and Sonar. Back with Kyle, since he is kind of sort of the main star of the issue. Um, we have him coming back to Radu, uh, or Radu, or mm. how, how are we pronouncing that? I don't know. It's it's I pronounced it Radu, but uh, I'm not really certain. It's obviously a sort of maybe a Eastern European name. I can't remember exactly what country he hails from, but I, I, I get sort of a kind of Russian vibe off of him. Because mm. 
he's one of the characters I remember, and I remember liking him, but I remember nothing of what happens with him. He's kind of sort of awesome most of the time, as far as I remember. Um, plus, he's pimping Kyle here, um, which is a plus side for him. And if I'm right, he technically exists in the New 52 because his coffee shop gets name-dropped in a Teen Titans issue. Yeah. So I'd have characters in this issue that kind of sort of have a New 52 analog, let's say. He's more likely than Wally at the minute. Yeah, that's... Strange. That's disappointing. <laughs> well, you know, I've mentioned that before. The fact that Wally's not in the New 52 as of yet is saddening. I understand it doesn't mean i have to be happy about it no but I've, I've got enjoyable stories to read so i'm happy enough for now true but yes um we we have him pimping out kyle to a model here mm-hmm. even though he received a delivery that i'm pretty sure he would be aware of what the delivery is of the flowers for kyle mm-hmm. well so, i i think i don't know whether this may just be sort of radu's kind of not real not i don't know whether it's misunderstanding of sort of social interaction or whether he's just like kyle because i see i see radu as kind of kyle sort of uh, adopted father or you know sort of stepfatherly character because i think radu wants kyle to hook up with someone so you know he can have Mm. little children bouncing around (laughs) but this uh character of allison is that her name yeah um I, I'm trying to remember later on in the book if whether or not if she's one of the because uh, I could have sworn there was a uh, a lesbian character in the book uh, that happens later on. I can't remember if this model Allison actually has a lesbian girlfriend in the book later or whether or not she's just uh, a model living in the same apartment with Kyle. Because eventually in the series, the uh, supporting cast will actually become pretty important, and uh, mm-hmm. there will be stories based on some of the characters that are in uh, Kyle's apartment as well. But uh, yeah, she's uh, she's pretty attractive. Yes, again, artwork is very, very good. Mm-hmm. And especially that panel on uh, page 13, the second one with the, her sitting there with yeah. the uh, bedroom eyes and the steam coming off the coffee. That's, uh, that's, uh, very, uh, that, that's some nice artwork there. And Kyle is obviously uh, taken by her. Uh, sorry, distracted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, of course, we get to the next page, and uh, Kyle comes up to the room and sees the uh, the delivery, of course, was uh, roses from uh, Donna Troy. It's very progressive. Uh, girls sending guys flowers. Mm-hmm. Well, Donna's a very progressive girl, but unfortunately... In some of the issues, she's gotten kind of kind of clingy, and I think we can kind of attribute that to the fact that she's uh, going through a divorce right now, but she's very distrustful of Kyle, even though he's really given her no reason to uh, feel that way. I mean, well, there'll be something that comes along in a few issues that happens, but pretty much he's been dedicated to Donna since uh, since they first sort of met, so... But yeah, I agree. It's a nice sort of progressive thing that uh, Donna sends him flowers and a nice little note. It is different. Um, I don't think I've seen it in anything else, but that could, again, be my faulty memory. (laughs) But yeah, the sunset on the next page, though, um, I can see why Kyle would want to draw that. Because someone already has drawn it pretty damn well. 
Mm-hmm. That's it's really nice perspective, and the coloring again is really nice. They've got the sort of pink haze, uh, you know, uh, sort of blending down to the yellow near the uh, skyline, and the, the the buildings are all in perspective. It's just a really nice nice panel there. And they, you can see where they kind of match up, you know, because obviously Kyle sees it from a different angle than we are here, but you can see the kind of, I don't know, the change. You can see the buildings that are matching up. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's really nicely done. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of a better way of saying it, unfortunately. Nope. Um, it's good. Uh, uh, it, 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 again, is uh, hearkening back to the fact that Kyle is an artist, and even though he's supposed to be doing uh, a job of probably designing some sort of toy line art, you know, he's uh, taking his artistic skills and doing this stuff, so I like it. Yeah, and he finally finishes it and gets knocked off the building. I would throw in a Chumbawamba reference, but it's been done. <laughs> Sorry. It's cool. Uh, go for Tom Petty instead. He's free-falling. And, <laughs> uh, luckily, he has a ring that saves him, but what about anyone else in the nearby vicinity who was just enjoying the sunset? Well, they're, they're all dead. All gone. Well, luckily, uh, luckily, New York City isn't populated with people who like to hang out on the edge of their robes. So, thankfully, Kyle was the only one in the entirety of the entire island of Manhattan who was sitting up on his roof looking at the sunset at the exact point in time when a giant sonic boom would knock you knock you off the uh, roof. So, there you go. Uh, he was just a very lucky person in the right place at the right time. Or it could be that, that, that at least one of the other ones who fell off landed on the fire escape. Because <laughs> I, I, it, it's blasting him over it, but maybe someone else would be lucky enough to land on it. That's true. Depends how high the buildings are. Different angles and whatnot. Does seem to be the, the way it's drawn there does seem to be coming from above more than anything else. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, it does seem to be coming sort of high up in that panel on page 16. If, if we assume it's spherical as opposed to 2D, it, it, it might work better. You know, it's going out from central point. Yeah. That it could be bouncing off buildings or whatever. Mm, that's a point. Ah, but yeah, um, I love the little touch after Kyle suits up here when you can just see the finished picture floating down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nice little touch and you can see his sketchbook in the dirt over in the corner I think it is at least I assume that's what it is Mm -hmm. Uh, just amongst the the, what is that various boxes and cans and whatever other debris there yeah the sort of back alley stuff yeah then we meet up again with Sonar high collar crazy ass coat thing he needs to get a new one. It's, it's all moth-eaten and torn to pieces still. Mm. You think if he wants to be king of the world or New York or whatever it is he's going for here, you, you think he'd get some kind of nice clothes. Yeah, you know? well, his, his little spandex thing is pretty, uh, you know, pretty kicking. But yeah, the maybe the coat is just sort of like the, the acid-washed jeans of the time and the uh, sort of roughed up, uh, you know, holes in it. Oh yeah, stuff. I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could. holes in jeans and stuff. Oh. Uh, on on the next page of this, uh, that's got a sort of two page half splash here. 
uh, the movie theater is showing uh, blood sucking freaks, and I've got to assume that it's uh, Evil Dead Two because that would probably be out. And I I just have to say, I would pay so much to go see a double feature of blood sucking freaks and Evil Dead Two. It may not be Evil Dead Two. It could be Evil Dead One purely because is it was like in the 70s yes i think bloodsucking freaks was the same thing evil dead had already had its third one at this point yeah it was like in 1992 which i know because i checked earlier because i thought are these out at this time although to be honest if they remade bloodsucking freaks this would fit in today that's true you could, you could have this happening now because I think we've got Evil Dead out over here. I don't know if it's been and gone where you are. Mm-hmm. I think it uh, so? I think it may still be in theaters. It came out oh, a couple of weeks ago as the time of this recording. So by the time this airs, it'll probably be in second run theaters. But yeah, I may go to see it, but probably not before I see Iron Man. Oh, no, definitely. That's that's out again. Pulling back curtain. Uh, that's coming out at least over here this weekend. What about you? Is that coming out uh, this- we got it last week? Uh, it was out in Japan last week as well. I considered going to see it whilst I was out there. See, uh, this is another I, thing. Uh, when I was last year, when I was in Italy, uh, the Avengers came out before it yeah. came out in the states, and it was out there. And I was like, you know, it's my wife's birthday, <laughs> but I could go see the Avengers today, but it'd probably be in Italian. So mm. I skipped it, sadly. Well, it depends. They may have just had it subtitled. Well, that wouldn't have been bad, but yeah. Uh, um, I think, although we got the DVD and stuff a bit early, um, there was a kind of mix-up. We got the wrong cut for the DVD version over here, and um, I don't think we got as many extras. Yeah, I which think I heard me... Andy complaining about that. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that we weren't getting as many extras, it's just I wasn't happy with the name change personally so i was ordering it from amazon.com anyway mm-hmm. so that's that's why i hooked him up because i was getting it so cool i, I kind of like the commentaries that's kind of why i buy the dvds and stuff it all started whenever i started buying dvds in the first place which was when i bought buffy which kind of works out because same guy did the commentary for that makes sense he did the commentary for avengers so at least he does commentaries which is something i like i like hearing from the people who create it because they have the stories about what happened when making it Mm -hmm. and they go off on random tangents and kind of like we have so (laughs) it 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 all comes around you know when you're talking about something you will go off on a tangent to somewhere else oh definitely and i'm doesn't matter what you're doing i'm all for tangents tangents are it's what's for dinner (laughs) uh um don't think i've got much else until the last page here same here uh it's, um, it's pretty much a oh, big fight between kyle and sonar with kyle really not knowing what's going on and we have um we have the bad guy monologuing and giving his origin that's generally a bad idea but maybe it won't be and while he shows up to show the newcomer how to do things or does he guess we'll have to check back again next time see him lantern time see him flash channel <laughs> and for some reason why why is kyle's spidey sense tingling <laughs> I, I i don't know maybe um maybe uh when uh wally was coming in behind him you know he 
gathered out so much static electricity, he just zapped Kyle in the back of the head, and that's what it is. Uh, maybe he added extra energy to the back of his hair. I, I don't know if that would work. I like that, though. Yeah, it would it make does... an afro. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see Kyle's hair, hair all spiky and all that. That'd be neat. But yeah, that that does it for my notes. We covered pretty much everything. I Like I said, the artwork on this is just really gorgeous. Uh, uh, Daryl Banks was the artist I was thinking of, and I can't can't believe that I missed him out. But this is a nice transition from Daryl Banks. It's it's very uh, it, it's much in line with the, what we got in the Green Lantern books. And uh, like I said, the coloring I hadn't really been noticing up until now, but the coloring on the stuff is just really awesome. So yeah. liking it. But unfortunately, uh, the same thing really can't be said about the uh, Guy Gardner book. And we're going to go ahead and uh, take a little break here. If, if if you've got nothing else on the book, anything else? Nope. Okay. I'm good. We will take a break. I'll plug in some promos again. And maybe we'll get one for a, a certain podcast that, uh, that Dave does here. And when Ooh. we get back, we'll go ahead and take a look at uh, Guy Gardner number 35. He said Mongo, didn't he? That's wrong character, wrong universe, and wrong galaxy. Hold on just one sec. Ah, here we go. Flash Legacies, a podcast connecting the adventures of Wally West, the third hero to be known as The Flash. Join me, Dave Walker, in my bi-weekly journey as I look at Wally's career from when he first donned the mantle of the Flash all the way up to the return of Barry Allen. Find me at flashlegacies.limpson.com Lancers, I've called you here to this unprecedented gathering because we face an unprecedented danger. An enemy we don't yet fully understand. It was for this moment that we were created. But I don't need to tell you your duty. I don't need to tell you who we are. Chosen by the Mystic Guardians of the Universe. Recruited from across the galaxy for their bravery and courage. The best and brightest joined to fulfill a solemn oath. In brightest day. 
and blackest nights. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green, Green Lantern's, Lantern's light. light. Green Lantern's Light, a monthly podcast covering the adventures of Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, and the entire Green Lantern Corps from 1984 through today. Say the oath. Join the Corps. Green Lantern's Light. Available monthly at GreenLanternsLight.com. And we're back to take a look at the very unusual, very different Guy Gardner Warrior number 35. Yay. <laughs> we'll see if you feel that way after the after the synopsis. Uh, it was cover dated October 1995 with the release date of August 1st, 1995, a cover price of $1.75 US, 250 Canada and a pound 25 UK. The title was Falling Down. Unfortunately, this doesn't involve Michael Douglas going around and shooting up a bunch of people. Writer this time out was Phil Jimenez, which is odd because Jimenez usually does artwork, but uh, we'll get into that. Penciler was Joyce Chin. Inkers were John Stokes and Andy Lanning. Colorist was Lee Lowridge. Letterer was Albert Guzman. And editor was Eddie Braganza. In space, no one can hear you ram into another spaceship in order to try and disable and capture it. However, the two would-be hijackers made the wrong decision of trying to commandeer the ship of one Guy Gardner? Um, I guess this is Guy. I mean, he's got all the tattoos and whatnot, but what's up with his hair? I think he may have been hit by the Grungenator. <laughs> uh, thank you, Lane Staley. Uh, anywho, Guy clamps his feet to the floor, opens the airlock door, and fires a blast from his hand cannon, destroying the attacking ship and sending the two kidnappers off in the escape pod. But Guy's victory is short-lived, as the impact knocked out his nav computer, leaving him no choice but to make a crash landing on the nearest inhabited planet. Luckily, Guy's Voltarian powers kicked in upon impact, allowing the armor up and survive the fiery impact. One random blast to an attacking alien later, and Guy is on his way to Malsizing, the most wretched hive of scum and villainy. He must be cautious. Fortunately, Guy studied some alien languages during his time as Green Lantern, which allows him to hear the pleas of Darkstar, who is being pummeled by some thugs. Guy mentions that if he were Green Lantern of this sector, none of this would be going on, and the bartender replies that Green Lanterns aren't all they used to be. In fact, some of them are being sold as slaves in the local open-air market. Peeved that his former teammates are no more than chattel, Guy attacks the auctioneer, releases the former lanterns, and saves the Dark Star just for good measure. Cut to Warriors Bar, where a recovering Aresia and Ted Grant are doing a little sparring. No, not that kind of sparring, you sickos. Actual fisticuff sparring. The two muse on the whereabouts of Guy, while Aresia wears a costume almost as awful as her hooker gem outfit. And Ted channels the comedian from Watch. Back on the Hasbro Guy Gardner Warrior spaceship, Charisma is telling Guy about an agent with the yellow power source who is holding the remaining Green Lanterns hostage. The duo find the planetoid where the captured lanterns are being kept, and Guy rocket backs onto the surface to play one-man rescue squad. 
He gets through the defenses easily, because someone off-panel is allowing Guy to break in all the while, leading him to the area where the trap lanterns are. Guy ultraviolently blasts through the alien minions until he reaches the holding cells, where he finds former lanterns Salak, Amanita, Percival of Little People, Little People Boz, and former Hal Jordan wannabe Snuggle Bunny, Brick. The girly granite giant asks Guy about Hal, and he replies that he went nutso, became parallax, and got all dead and stuff. It's, this sets off Brick, and she joins her fellow lanterns in mopping the floor with her captors. Guy sees that things are going well for him, but he gets the feeling that this has all been a bit too easy. And that feeling is justified as a blast of yellow energy crackles above Guy's head. Turning his gaze upon the tyrant who's selling the lanterns into slavery, Guy stands shocked to find that the person is none other than Guy Gardner. Moreover, Guy's very own club. Uh, and that was Guy Gardner number uh, 35. Uh, Dave, go ahead and hit me with some notes. Do I have to? Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. Uh, so, okay, cover here. Any idea who the Cyborg Spectre thing that is that kind of looks like he's been merged with Black Hand or something. Although possibly with a, li- a little less necrophilia. <laughs> I don't know who. Uh, okay, I can tell on the cover. There's, I guess there's guy with his long hair. Uh, then my Green Lantern's got no nose. How does it smell? <laughs> no? Awful. I I. I, I don't know which one that is i i don't think i've encountered her before okay on the on the lower uh, on the sort of middle left corner the green lantern there that's brick uh she was a green lantern from the uh, uh beginning of the 80s or the 90s series uh nice. the character sort of underneath guy the sort of white one with the red eyes that's another yeah. green lantern uh that's charisma who uh was in the steve inglehart run and she was actually on the planet of Maltus, keeping Guy Gardner on there when Guy was supposed to be working with uh, the the Guardian that turned into the Mad Guardian. So uh, that's another one. And then back in the back, I didn't know if you noticed this, but we've got uh, oh, what's her name? We've got a four-armed Pandora back in the back in the purple cloak there. So oh. you know, Far, far before the new 52 and Flashpoint, Pandora was hanging around and Guy Gardner Warrior. So there you go. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, this this is a very 90s cover, and it also shows how... It shows a lot of the negative things in the 90s. Just the, the jumbled mass of characters doing a variety of things, and none of it really... It works in the story. I mean, the story is a big fight, but it, it's so jumbled and so muddied, and the artwork is just so over the top that it's it's not an appealing cover to look at. And of course, uh, you've got a guy's hand all sharp and pointy because everything has to be really, really sharp and pointy. Mm-hmm. No, well, he could he could put his eye out. Well, no, it looks like he put his pupils out. So there you go. Didn't he already lose an eye? <laughs> 
Uh, that was House. That was House deal. But yeah, I had basically no clue what was going on on the cover. No, and it's not one of those covers that really draws you in. It's one of those covers that makes you sort of overlook the book. But every every uh, every good comic has to have its occasional bad issues, and this might be one of them. Yeah. So he ends up with the long hair. Yeah. Doesn't get explained at all. Because I, I checked. I went and had a look at the previous issue. Short hair. Mm-hmm. This issue, long hair. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I can't explain it either. Um, They kind of get a bit of a backstory that uh, after the whole Way of the Warrior storyline, guys sort of tootled around in space, which doesn't make any sense because he had, you know, the Justice League and their little, uh, you know, space hopper spaceship to take him right back home. In fact, as far as I know, the Justice League were back on Earth for the next issue. So why Guy felt that he needed to wander around space and grow his hair out like a, a member of the band Megadeth, it just boggles my mind. But it's here, and I have to deal with it. Uh, does it last for the rest of this, or...? Does he get a haircut? Is it is it just there to differentiate him from the other guy? Um, it might be, but I don't know how you could uh, how you could not distinguish the two characters because the other guy, uh, who we'll refer to as like pseudo guy until we actually get his name, mm. uh, has the, the stereotypical bowl haircut, and guy had the sort of crew cut or the sort of short spiky hair. So I I think you'd be able to distinguish them without you know uh, much difficulty but and the other guy has the pseudo guy has less tattoos mm-hmm. far less tattoos but uh, yeah the, i have no idea why they got this long hair but in answer to your question yes he does get a haircut and in fact i believe there's like a two-page splash of him getting a haircut and in, in a uh, subsequent issue so i well, ask funny look forward to that <laughs> sounds like it would be fun anyway um yeah the kids as he refers to them um one's a dog and and one appears to be the wicked witch of the west <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah she does have that sort of green vibe and she's got a uh, very low cut in the back uh uniform that's almost showing off far too much butt cleavage when i looked at this panel I had to go look at the cover again to make sure that I'd picked up Guy Gardner Warrior and not like an issue of Heavy Metal Magazine. Because <laughs> these these characters look straight out of like uh, the Heavy Metal movie from the uh, early 1980s. It's just ridiculousness. She does kind of look a lot different on the next page, though. Um, she, she starts off, she's got the kind of evil look there, and then when she's not doing the evil looking behind her look for want of a better phrase, she looks more like a pixie. Yeah, she's got a very anime uh, pixie mm. sort of look here. Yeah, I agree with you there. And she, I think the elf ears do it. She looks like she mm. could have just came out of a uh, elf quest or she might be a, a, you know, a goblin character out of uh, World of Warcraft maybe. So Yeah, he's he is kind of going more sword and sorcery with the long hair and everything, you know, and big massive muscles and guns. Wait, um, 
weird. That doesn't that doesn't match. No. Um, uh, see, I wouldn't mind if it were you know big muscles and swords and all that, but no, he's got a giant you know Hoover or, you know <laughs> vacuum cleaner on his hand that he's shooting plasma or whatever out of. Oh. And random cables going in and out. And mm-hmm. it, why, why is there an up arrow on the boot? Uh, I guess these are actually, I don't think these are actually um, things that Guy has morphed to uh, hold on. These are actually sort of things that he's locked himself into, which right. kind of befuddles me. Why would someone want to lock themselves into the floor and then open up the airlock? That And why couldn't he just morph himself into something that would attach him to the floor? Uh, does, it, does he have control? I'm certain he, he has. I'm certain he can. Yeah, I'm certain he can morph his feet into guns as well. I mean, he morphed a gun <laughs> out of the middle of his back in an issue of Go. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he could morph his feet into something to clamp onto the floor. So, I don't know. Ugh. As long as certain other parts don't start doing that, oh, it should be all right. Don't, don't go there. Don't. What his elbow? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Because it would be kind of pointless, you know. Why? What were you thinking of? Nothing. Um, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Next page, uh, we've got uh, we've got Lion-O guy here on page four up here. I mean, he, oh. if he if he should be he if he was yelling Thundercats ho on this page, I'd completely buy that right there. Do you think Aricia would show up? <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, Sorry, the cheetah would show up. Yeah, well, the cheetah, the cheetah comes back in uh, later issues. So yeah, I'm certain cheetah would uh, be all into uh, guys sort of lino look here. Yeah. I like the ship bounces off things. I, I really, I like that that page just where you can see it going all crashy. Mm-hmm. It's slightly better than some of the other stuff I've seen. Um, it's it's very simple. It does the job. Mm-hmm. And see the ship falling apart as it crashes. So that's cool. Yeah, the the and, ship the ship designs here are kind of neat. Uh, it, I'm looking at it. It's got a sort of bird of prey. A, a little bird of prey on uh, page five here in that upper corner. It does sort of sort of like uh, I want to say a sort of Babylon Five feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of the the Membari ships, maybe. Am I thinking oh, right? Yeah. It's been so long. I think so. Yeah. It's got the sort of claws at the front of it, uh, sort of the three prongs that sort of look like they'd call them. It also may, uh, has a little bit of the uh, Narada from the uh, Star Trek uh, reboot of 2009. It kind of looks like the big uh, ship that the Romulans had. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the, the ship designs are neat. And the alien dude that attacks him, I I do like the design of it. Yeah, it is very it is very alien, but it is kind of weird that, uh, and I don't know whether this is just uh, light reflecting off guy's back, or whether the alien himself has sort of the same uh, tramp stamp back tattoo that guy has on his back. Because if you look at it uh, on page six on the alien's chest it looks very reminiscent to the uh to the tattoo that guy has so uh, uh. odd maybe he just blew away a long lost relative which no well, that's fine makes me think of men in black he wasn't snarling 
He was sneezing. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, the guy just overreacted, which mm. is a stereotypical guy. Just going to give him a hug. <laughs> uh, I can't even give this book a hug. Uh, what else <laughs> do you have, Dave? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I skip out a lot just because it is mostly just establishing him on the alien world, etc. Mm-hmm. But I like his reaction to the how, how the lanterns are being treated. Yeah, that's it's it's perfectly in character. Yeah the the story the story is not the thing I have a problem with, and, and the fact that Phil Jimenez is usually considered to be an artist and a really good artist to, to his credit, that he comes in and writes this story. Uh, I really didn't see that much of a difference from the way Bo Smith was handling the character. So uh, mm-hmm. story-wise, the story is good. The fact that Guy finds out that there are Green Lanterns here who are being sold in slavery and Guy goes and rescues them, that is that is a, a character trait that I think you'd find in Guy Gardner, regardless of the fact that he's no longer a Green Lantern himself. Yeah. I mean, uh, page 10 here, we've got him back kind of doing the sword and sorcery thing because – that pose is very reminiscent of that kind of thing, at least as far as I well, know anyway. Well, and also, uh, looking at that panel, is his foot sticking through the chest of that uh, that purple-cloaked figure? It looks like he stomped through that alien's <laughs> chest. No, if you look, you can see an arm there going around the back of it. Okay, because, so, uh, yeah. That's why he's going eep. <laughs> Well, I don't know. If you've got a foot stuffed through your chest, you might go eep as well. Mm. Um, I haven't had that happen, so... Well, thank goodness. Uh, one of the things that kind of befuddled me is when a uh, guy releases the uh, Green Lantern who's uh, white-skinned and got the white hair, he doesn't mm. remember who she is. And uh, <laughs> like I said before, her, her name is Charisma, and she was one of the uh, characters that Guy Gardner was stationed on Maltus with during the uh, Steve Englehart and Joe Staten run of uh, Green Lantern. And actually, you can go listen to uh, Green Lantern's Light. In fact, I think it might have even been the episode that they had me guest on where we covered these issues where Guy Gardner was on Maltus and uh, Charisma was one of the uh, Green Lanterns who basically had to uh, take Guy down because, well, at the time, Guy was being a jerk, as hard as that is to imagine. Maybe he just has amnesia. It happens. Sorry, I was muted. Yeah, I could buy that. Yeah, uh, maybe he just, you know, got knocked on the head and forgot about it. That happens as well. Mm. Um, uh, Aresia's hooker bodybuilder outfit? Oh, God. You know, I understand that Aresia is a very uh, attractive, athletic person and that you know she's very comely and very sexy but why the goofy outfits uh she doesn't need to be in why is she fighting in like bikini briefs oh it just boggles my mind and i tried to work out why she had a belt i was going why would you need a belt it's for the walkman oh yeah she's got her kicking tunes on there you know she's she's jamming at her some of her some of her exercise tombs, like like the Carpenters again. So there you go. I'm pretty sure it'll be walking on sunshine.
not not because that that would work quite well for working night. Uh, I guess so. But uh, here we've got. Uh, is this the comedian that she's fighting? Oh wait, no, that's Wildcat. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was the comedian for a moment. Especially, well, she does have the smiley face button. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Why does Aresia have the smiley face button, and why does Ted Grant look like the beast? I mean, uh, I know Ted is supposed to be uh, a boxer, and I know that uh, the Guy Gardner series has been uh, wrought with characters that are far overly muscled than they really should be in real life. But Ted just looks... I mean, his arm is bigger than my leg in this panel. So. <sighs> Moving on. Uh, in the next page, in page 13, why the hell does Guy Gardner have warp nacelles on his body? That's what I wanted to know. I mean, because it's a weird design, and I don't know whether it's... I don't know whether it's actually a rocket pack that he has on. I've got to assume it is because it looks like the uh, the sort of energy lines and speed lines are coming out of that. So, but it also kind of looks like his hands at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it kind of looks like it might be morphed out of his shoulders or whatever. But yeah, it looks like it, it does have that sort of design of the uh, old uh, 1960s series uh, Star Trek warp nacelles with the sort of globe at the end and the little, yeah. you know if it had a little spirally sort of light things going on and it'd be even better but (laughs) oh lord it's it's such a mess here the artwork Uh, yeah i I couldn't work out exactly what was going on Uh, i mean is that an oxygen mask he's wearing or is that part of him or i think it's an oxygen mask because it gets uh oh he takes it off in a couple pages here in a couple pages yeah he rips it off because he's got this uh, he's got this asteroid, and he hears uh, the uh, sound effect of choom, so he knows that there has to be an atmosphere, because obviously in space, there are no sound effects, except when they are all the time. Yeah. Firefly tried to do it differently. Oh, true. Works quite well. But, uh, yeah, uh, let's let's tear this off at like a bandage. Uh, <laughs> we keep moving on, and uh, the one good thing about this uh, I will say on page 16, uh, as Guy is uh, you know, killing the aliens, if I think to myself that all these aliens are just like the aliens from the Bloodline series, <laughs> it makes me feel a lot better about the book, that Guy's going in to take out the Bloodline aliens. And if he could have done it sort of retroactively where Bloodlines never happened, that would have made this a much better book in my opinion. But eh. People would be disappointed at not getting Hitman though. Uh, we could still have Hitman coming in some way, but uh, I don't think I didn't anyone. Mind I don't think too much. I don't think anyone would be be too missing of Nightblade or Anna. <laughs> uh, Was that a real character? Are you just putting together random no, words? No, I am for the not. Best? Anima is a character, and Nightblade was the uh, Bloodlines character that spun, spun out of uh, Green Lantern. Uh, he uh, was a he was a character who was, I want to say, Native American, who uh, lost the ability of his legs, and somehow the bloodlines thing gave him the ability to walk again, and he could throw knives really well. Okay. Yeah, this is why uh, Bloodlines is not remembered as, you know, one of the greatest crossovers of DC's history. 
and he couldn't just learn to throw knives normally. He he had to get bitten by an alien to yep. work out how to do that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. I I am disappointed in this page in the lack of pockets guy has. You know, um he he's got the big guns, no pockets. Well, I guess they haven't added the pockets in. Uh, I guess they didn't the the memo from Rob Liefeld over an image that uh, if you have a character that is this rooted up and got hair like this, then he needs to have a ton of pockets. I'm sorry. I'm going to start cursing because I'm, I'm really not enjoying this. It's, it's sad because I love Guy Gardner so much, but this is, uh, this is a massive an issue. Uh, I'll go ahead and move on to page 17 where he frees mm-hmm. more of the uh, lanterns. We get a uh, Salak and uh you'd select yeah I, I don't think i've ever seen him not in a green lantern outfit no and he's he's drawn a little wonky is, is he morphing i don't know what he's doing but he's got this sort of green aura around him at the bottom of page 17 and it is just kind of weird but we've got some other green lanterns i the only one that i really recognize is the mushroom one amanita uh which oh. is yeah, which it is. But the the sad thing is here on the same page on the panel, uh, uh, we get Slock saying, oh, Gardner, you were so close to him. Oh, what they did to the poor dog. And that makes me wonder if they actually had captured Nort and they had killed or tortured him. Because if that's the case, then I hate this book even more. Mm. But, you know, at least we get to see Salak. We get to see that Salak is alive. And, you know, uh, I like the character of Salak, even his... You know, even from his iteration, the uh, the Inglehart run, I, I enjoyed him there, and I enjoy him, you know, uh, as sort of the current comptroller of the Lanterns on uh, in the Green Lantern Corps book. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find Wait, which Green Lantern is it with the? It basically is a guardian. It looks like with a mustache. Oh, or is, that, or is, one, that is that Gentha in disguise? No, that's uh, oh. Percival. He. Uh, uh-huh. He appeared in this uh, Larry Niven, John Byrne sort of uh, prestige format book called Ganthet's Tale, which basically uh, – I'm trying to remember the storyline – had to do with Crisis and uh, this uh, Malthan or Malthusian who went to try and stop Krona from actually creating the antimatter universe or something and – it was all it was all very Larry Nivity space opery type stuff, and basically uh, Ganthet recruited these people who were essentially, and I hate to do the stereotype with you on the show, <laughs> were very stereotypically referred to on Earth as leprechauns, but they were essentially Malthusians or the 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 same uh, race that the Guardians were. Except they lived on Earth and practiced, okay. you know, you know, leprechaun magic and made shoes and had pots of gold. I don't know. It's been <laughs> so long since I read that. But yeah, that's who he is. It's, I it's, keep meaning to check it out at some point, but uh, it, it sounds kind of strange. So it's, I might enjoy it. It's not a bad read, to be honest. It's it's kind of fun and it does tie in with uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. But, uh, I like Gantt. Yeah, but uh, you know, uh, it's been so long since I read it. Uh, Ooh, what else? Page nineteen, we get some information. Hal Jordan was parallax. I know. 
I had no clue. It's hard to imagine because it's never really mentioned at all. I don't think, you know, aside from that one time where, uh, you know, we get it in like issue 50, it's never ever mentioned that Hal Jordan was Parallax ever again in the entirety of the Green Lantern run. I don't know how Guy has this information. It's it's mind boggling here. Wikipedia. Yeah. Or sorry, um, encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, too early for wikis. Oh, the days before, the days when, you know, we just couldn't go to a, a web page and figure out the information, yeah. But we get Back Rick. Back when web pages were all text? Yes. Uh, yes, before before moving images on the internet and us downloading stuff at blazing high speeds. And dial up. Uh, <laughs> we get Brick here looking a bit more humanoid than she uh, did in the Green Lantern issue. She looks, uh, if you didn't know, Brick was a... Uh, uh, a character who wasn't organic. She was basically rock-based. And oh. here, uh, uh, Chin, who's drawing her, gives her a more uh, humanoid feel. I mean, she doesn't have the sort of uh, sort of stony face, and she looks like she actually has... Her eyes have uh, pupils and irises and everything. So it's a different look on the character, but essentially it's just the same. But yeah, it's very 90s, you know, muscular, large, Amazonian female character. Maybe she got some cosmetic surgery? Had someone got a sander or something? Or... I don't know. Uh, I could buy it. Uh, and then, of course, Guy and his awesome hair down there on the bottom of page 19. Let's, uh, let's keep moving. Keep moving. I do like that he's actually figuring something out whilst he's doing all this fighting. You know, thinking that it's too easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of coming up with an indicator that Maybe things aren't all there seem to be here. No, I agree. It is nice that, you know, we get the dialogue, the dialogue boxes that guys going, you know, this is really too easy. These guys could have gotten out by themselves. Why is this happening? And then finally on page 19, we get this sort of blast of yellow energy, which is interesting because technically, you know, it couldn't be coming from the yellow Sinestro ring. But I mean, we get, uh, oh God, the, what the hell is up on page 21 with the the mask or the helmet or whatever? It, it, I have no clue. Um, he kind of wants to be a dominator there. He's got the funny red thing on his head. And, well, the uh, mask looks very horns. Um, uh, Destro. Or, um, I that from G.I. Joe. I'm thinking, you know, it's the big silver mask. So, But oh, yeah. Yeah, we get the final page of it being... Guy's bowl-headed clone from the Yesterday's Sin storyline come back with with a giant power glove. So hopefully he'll be able to get us some kicking Nintendo games that the power glove will obviously work for. No. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I it, the, the last panel on page 22, Guy facing off with Guy, you know, it's, it's good artwork. But, yeah, uh... Just guy with the long hair, it it makes no sense. Ugh, it hurts me. <laughs> the the bull cut is terrifying though. <laughs> it, it is a very very over accentuated bull cut though. But yeah, aside from story wise, this was not a good issue. Uh, I, credit. Credit where credit's due. Mm. Jimenez carried on the 
the sort of storyline that uh, Bo Smith was doing. But art-wise, this just wasn't it wasn't my cup of tea. I, I was worried that it was just me, but no, uh, I was worried. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm a Guy Gardner fan, and I even love the Bo Smith uh, and Mitch Bird over the top, you know muscular dwarfin guy but this just wasn't very good so don't feel bad but maybe it'll be better next time we'll we'll have to see well they do use the old guy gardener font for the tinus about the return well that should be that should be interesting so hopefully uh hopefully we'll get a throwback to that we'll see what happens but i know uh since this is a two-parter and uh there's a continuation of this would you like to come on for the next episode, Dave, and uh, cover the next episode of uh, or the next issue of Green Lantern, as well as what might be a better episode of Guy Gardner? Of course, I'll come back for that. Okay, great. Well, uh, sorry we kind of had to end on such a downer, but yeah, it's not the best Guy Gardner issue. But things will turn around. I'm certain they will. So, thanks everyone for listening to this episode and. I hope you all will come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys. We'll see you then. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the tendencies of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for Monastery Kane, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed, too. And as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at justoneoftheguys, all one word, dot libsyn, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers, and whatever else I feel like putting in. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast, and be sure to leave a review there. I'd love to read it on the next episode. You can also search for me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there, because I don't have an account there. But if you have enough free time to listen to me babble on about funny book characters, you obviously can spare some time to wander around on Facebook. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Greenland podcast. Aside from just touring, did you were you there to pick up anything or just sightsee? Um, headed to the Pokemon centers, a couple of them. I was looking for stuff for my nephew. Um, got myself some stuff. Uh, I, got, I got some kind of bread tray for making Pikachu-shaped bread or <laughs> buns or something. I bought it because I thought, well, you're not going to get it anywhere else. It seems fun. And Wait, they I got act- myself they a actually- Farfetch. Oh my god. They actually have Pikachu... Uh, not Pikachu, but Pokemon Centers. That's what yes. they call them. Yep. Uh, it's just a big shop based on Pokemon. <laughs> Now, did you see? Did you see any of the weird stuff? Because I'm here. I, I've heard that you know there's. I think for those vending machines you're thinking of, yes, uh, <laughs> you kind of have to go into a specific type of shop, <laughs> and I didn't go into the specific type of shop. But that's probably it's probably one of those shops that you know you probably 
don't want to go into without, you know, bringing like a like an industrial strength can of Lysol and, you know, a condic- to be honest, I think they're they're not as bad as our ones would be. I did accidentally walk into one last time I was over. Really? Um, basically, it was Halloween and I thought, you know what? I could get a costume and go out somewhere. So I looked up costume shops. Wrong type of costume shop. <laughs> yeah. It's went of- in, went to the floor it said costumes are for, got off and went, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Number 41. What's that? Number 41. 41, let me see. <laughs> we got... Oh, yes. Nightblade. <laughs> See, basically, it's it's hard to tell if it is an actual character or if you've just thrown a couple of names together. Razor Sharp after that. 